what all this comes down to is the intentionality of things. So there is times where we've got the same thing. We have things that go in certain places. I've got meal prep time. But I think one of the biggest things that we do really for our clients who are going through this actual career change is where we're thinking about it is how much time are they actually spending reaching out? This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. One of the biggest things that we hear again and again and again as we have conversations with people all over the world, not just here in the US, but every place across the globe, is the issue of time. Time because it takes a large amount of time to do just a normal career pivot, normal career change, let alone for the types of career changes that we've discussed on this podcast again and again and again, where you're really maximizing for what you want out of life, what you want want out of your career and want to be able to, you know, grow and show up in the ways that, uh, that you want to, that's a different type of career change. And as it turns out, that also has a tendency to take more time. And the reason this becomes a question is because where are you going to get all this time? Where is that going to come from? And that is, that's real. It's a real challenge. So we thought, well, hey, this is something we are helping people reconcile with every single day. So why not do a podcast episode about it? We, we do this for ourselves. When I say ourselves, I'm talking about our, our entire team. And we also do this for our clients across the globe. So I have with me today, our director of client success, Philip Mianko. You've heard him on the podcast many times before, but he's back today to discuss how do you not save time? Although we're going to talk about that too, but how do you even create time? in some ways for yourself to be able to divert towards career change or anything else that might be even more important in your life too. Philip, welcome back to Happen to Your Career. Nice to be here, Scott, and super excited to be diving into it. One of the things that we're going to do here, our goal is to talk about enough different items that collectively, if you applied them all, you don't have to apply them all, even if you do get just one thing from this episode, but collectively, we want to give you enough different items where potentially, if you did apply them all, you could save 30 plus hours per month that you can then divert to focus on your priorities. Your priorities being family, friends, priorities being career change, which is certainly what we've had most of our questions on, but that is our goal today. So no small task, right? It's definitely not an easy thing to do, but well worth it. So I'm realizing there's a lot of people that could probably benefit from this in multiple ways. We're going to talk about some of the things that we've personally done in the past to save large amounts of time. And then we're also going to talk about specifically, and Philip, I think you have some of these ideas already. We were chatting about this yesterday, uh, long before we hit the record button, about some of the best ways that we've helped our clients save time as they're going through their career change too. So yeah. You know, it's such a big thing because I think you're right, Scott. One of the biggest things that we talk to people about when we begin working with them or even before that process is essentially how do you save time? Because we all know that this career change process essentially takes takes time to do. And it's not like there's going to be magically like 30 hours going to like come to your front door like an Amazon box. It's more like we got to find those in places. And usually that comes to about you know saying no to some things or 
one of the biggest things is I, I think it's setting up your environment to save time. And I, one of the things I always recommend for my first time clients is reading a wonderful book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, because he talks about really setting up your environment to do so. But you know, for example, I've got a client who I'm working with right now, and we'll call her Leia. And right now she takes her coaching calls in her bedroom where her desk also happens to be. So we're doing our coaching calls. She's sitting at her desk. I can see her bed right behind her. And what we found after working together after months and months is that really she's just thinking about work all the time because when she goes to bed, her bed's right there. When she gets up, her desk is right there. And it's all because it's physically in the same room. So she would be getting up at 6.30 a.m., getting right to her desk and start working, then like working, taking some breaks here or there, and really not stop working till 9 or 10 p.m. And obviously, this meant that she was just not giving herself a break and really never disconnecting. And I don't know about you, but I've talked to a lot of people like that, especially during times where a lot more people are working remotely and more and more people are. And very much that it lengthened out her process in getting things done because from a mental bandwidth standpoint, she was just focusing on work all the time. So we, for me and Leah, we stopped, we looked and we're like, okay, how can we figure out how to basically set up your environment so you're not thinking about work all the time? Now, she lived in a one-bedroom apartment. It's not like we could move the desk to another spot and it would be a, a, good, a good fix for her. So instead, we literally took her physical laptop every single day and at 6 p.m., which is the time that we agreed on that work would stop. We had calendar reminder. We had like her master schedule. We had things that were set up in her life where she knew 6 p.m. was the time that she was stopping, including having conversations with her boss and all of her coworkers and setting up her work to do so. But she would take her laptop, physically put it underneath her TV. That was also the spot that we agreed on that it would be out of sight, out of mind and put it there. And what we found over time is that it not only actually saved her really time, but that mental bandwidth that I was talking about earlier. And this not also translates into getting things done faster, but what can happen for a lot of folks is we accidentally or unintentionally set up our environment that doesn't help us really save those big pieces of time. And ultimately, it makes us take so much longer than it needs to in the whole career change process. And that's what we really found working together. I know you found the same thing, Scott, when like setting up your environment or really those time-saving aspects. Yeah, I was thinking about it. We, my wife and I, and you know, ourselves as a family, we spent a lot of effort and energy trying to set up our environment in a way that really allows us to accomplish what we want to or to spend time in the way we want to. So I mm -hmm. love that you're calling this out as an entire category to itself. And so, I mean, we do, I'll give you just two really super quick examples of ways that we do that. You know, one way is this is going to sound ridiculous, but we have a lot of hockey gear. I'll say that. <laughs> oh yeah. I've seen so it. It's a ton gear. of hockey gear. Yeah. So when we had the team up here last time, uh, Philip, you and, and Kathy mm -hmm. went and played hockey with us, which Fell was amazing. flat on my face, guys. Yeah. It was flat on my face. So <laughs> we're, we're a pretty big ice hockey family. Let's, let's be honest. And so therefore we have a lot of gear, like we just have tons of it and it would, 
entirely take over our garage. But more importantly than that, like there's time associated with every time we're like in the car, out of the car, all the things. Plus hockey gear smells terrible. (laughs) It smells terrible. So what this meant is that, you know, when my son started playing hockey early on is that everything was just devoted to like the shifting around of hockey gear. And at some point, very quickly, it became a thing. And it's like, oh my goodness, why are we spending the time like moving the hockey gear from one place to the next? It's just terrible. So what we did is we actually set up drying racks in the garage that work with everything else. And then in the summer, when there's less hockey gear around, those drying racks shift to life jacket racks. They're basically sitting there for us to use the paddle boards that we have also stored in the garage. So taking a little bit of time to, uh, and we literally custom built some stuff in there that allowed us to put the bags on the rack, everything to dry. And it just ended up saving us small amounts of time, like less than five minutes per day. But over years, that adds up that five minutes, then, you know, turns into an hour over the course of roughly a little more than a week. And then that hour turns into many hours. So just, we have no desire to spend our time and effort putting away hockey gear and just moving it around. That's a good point too. Cause I mean, you're like removing a lot of those things that don't need to be done and really aren't adding things to your life overall. And I think that's a really interesting concept because you know, we always think about adding time, but it's really about removing those things too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point. And that really is the next category on its own too. So we've got five categories we're going to give you today. Philip, you mentioned the first one, which is mm-hmm. setting up your environment to be able to save time. And then the second one is what you said, removing time for things that maybe need to be done, but just, you know, aren't uh, the actual tasks or whatever are not adding that much value to your life. Like putting away hockey gear. Like I just, <laughs> I don't, it's necessary, but I just don't really care to spend my time that way. So uh, the third category is adding back time that's being taken away in the form of obstacles or distractions. The fourth category is adding systems to things that you might do all the time. In the fifth category, it's a bonus category. And we're going to give you some ways where as you're making your career change, you can actually save time during the career change itself. So we'll give you examples on all of these, but that next one that you mentioned where we're talking about removing time for things that need to be done, but maybe aren't adding that much value to your life from doing the tasks itself. So a couple of quick examples. And I know, Philip, you have a bunch of these too. We were chatting about these yesterday. And I bet we have more that we don't even know about too. (laughs) We were talking about that. Like We wanted to have this conversation yesterday, but didn't have time for the whole recording. So one example is lawn mowing for me. I mowed lawn as a kid. I had you know the makings of a lawn mowing business way back when. I do not care to mow another lawn if I don't have to in my entire rest of my life. However, you know the homeowners association that we live in freaks out if our lawn is a foot long, so it must be done. And you know what we at first we thought, well, okay, how are we going to do this? Because most lawn services charge like sixty to eighty bucks for uh, the size and type of lawn we have, and I don't really want to spend you know sixty to eighty bucks. And this was quite a while ago. But what we started doing is we started having a neighborhood kid mow our lawn for twenty bucks per time, and you know that ended up being a total cost of four hundred dollars and saved me about twenty five hours worth of time every single year, especially during the summer months when that lawn is growing frantically. So now we've actually 
transitioned it over. My son, I don't know if I've ever talked to them about this on the podcast. Philip, have I, I told you this before? Like when each of my kids turn 12, I'm helping them start a business. Yep. Yep. And uh, I think McKinsey opened up a cupcake yes. business that I want to be an investor in, but that's another subject yes. for another time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my son, who just recently turned 12, decided he wanted to start a lawn mowing business. So he's mowing our lawn. Um, he's renting our lawnmower from us, which I wanted it to be a real business and have real business learning. So yes, he's renting our lawnmower from us. And then the way that that happens is he mows our lawn. So now at this point, he's doing that. And there's the additional bonus of we're spending time in a way that I want to. And I don't have to mow the lawn, right? Fantastic all the way around. Uh, Philip, I know that yesterday you mentioned that meal prep is one of these things that saves you a ton of time. So I'm curious about that. Yeah. So meal prep is such a big one and we all know it. And sometimes it's one of those big things that we need to do. But one of the biggest things that we do is at the beginning of every week, we're always thinking about always the next week or sometimes two weeks ahead where we're kind of deciding which meals do we want to be having, make sure they're prepped and ready to go for dinners, that we have really busy days and just want to have things ready to go by the time to make things, but also that they're healthy that they're nutritious, all those types of things. So what we do is we'll get all of our groceries on Saturday or even earlier in the day, Sunday. And then we spend about two or three hours on Sunday, some upfront time planning both of our lunches, but also all of our dinners for the whole week. And that just saves so much time because really we're just rotating between 10 different meals. We're getting through the less decision fatigue about which thing do we have to eat this week? And what's that look like for lunch this week? And I always have a problem because sometimes I forget to eat lunch because I'm just like helping and talk to people so much. So having things ready to go on Sunday for the whole week has been super helpful for us and essentially putting a little bit more time early in the week to save time later on. So we can spend time just like talking or being together and have our dinners ready to go. But Scott, you guys use an app and you have somebody who makes those kind of meal preps for you, right? Yeah. We've turned this to an entire system. I'm super curious about that. Yeah. (laughs) I know I said that we'd talk about systems later. Here's one small tidbit of an example of how we've done that. So we use a service called emails and they have it in the form of an app. And the way that this is structured is they actually will, based on what your dietary needs are, like whether you want to eat paleo or you want to eat keto or you want to eat comfort, like you can choose just about anything that's on there. We subscribed many years ago when they only had like two meal plan options, but now they have many, 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 and they're really very, very, very good too. So you can make all of those choices. And then what happens is when the next week rolls up, you can just click the button and say, I want to eat that. I want to eat that. I want to eat that. And then this is the really fun part it will transfer all of the information that in the form of list items that you need to purchase over to whatever other app of your choice. So whether that is like Safeway or Kroger or Walmart or you know, insert your service here that might deliver your groceries or allow you to do pickup, it just transfers all that information over there. It's integrated together. And then with the click of a button, it sends it over to you know, Walmart or, or Trader Joe's or wherever it is. And boom, it's there. Now you can press the order button in the other app and then it can show up at your doorstep or you can go pick it up. So we go and pick it up once a week. So the extra advanced portion of this is if you don't love the meal prep portion, you could have somebody else do it too. So that's something that we've been experimenting with over the last couple of years. And that's worked out quite well. What we've settled on is that works really well for us for lunches and breakfast, mm. but we still prefer to make all of our own dinners. That's just something that we we love to do. But the whole system around it just has it show up so we can go to the grocery store, pick it up, take a total of 10 minutes to do that. And it's exactly what we wanted without all the time spent planning. 
So that in itself estimate, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, it now happens, it used to take about, let's see, 105 minutes, or that translates to about 91 hours per year, creating a menu and then going to the store and shopping and everything. And that was on the low side. Now it takes less than 35 minutes a week for everything to happen total. And it costs less than $30, by the way, per month. So yeah, there's another example here. So what about this third category here? Adding back time that's being taken away in the form of obstacles or distractions. This, I think, might be possibly the most valuable one. You mm-hmm. don't even realize sometimes, I didn't realize in many cases, and still to this day, I, I'm pretty relentless about tracking how I'm spending my time and setting up feedback loops so that I can understand how I'm spending my time uh, in ways that are accidental so that I can edit it out versus just do that year after year after year. So this first one, get ready for it, is going to make you cringe. This first, <laughs> Oh, it made me cringe when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. So it is canceling Netflix. I know, I know, I know. But here's here's what I found. We actually, and we do still have Disney Plus, if that makes anybody feel bad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there's, you know, you can put shows you're watching, so cancel any of the, the subscription services. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But by canceling Netflix, what I would do, and I love Netflix. I'll be the first to say they have an amazing service. They have wonderful movies. They've done a really nice job, I think, of producing, like changing their business model to now where they're producing a lot of movies as well and series and everything else that goes along with it. But I also have noticed that just experimenting with it saves me about 35 hours per year at a minimum. And that's probably a low estimate based on what I found. Because what happens is I would find an episode of something and then I couldn't stop watching it. Could not control myself. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know we talk about lots of things like where I think people are assuming there's tons of discipline there. I have zero discipline when it comes to an amazing series. So I'll just literally binge watch when I'm supposed to be working. Like that is a that is a real thing that has happened. So I've realized that that is not, you know, a year later when I think about that, it's like, oh yeah, I didn't actually want to spend my time that way. I just felt like I couldn't spend my time any other way after I saw that first episode. So that is, that's, like, that's one way. You know, it's interesting. That's like me when I'm like trying not eat a chocolate bar. So I just don't bring any chocolate into my house because I'm like, if I have yeah. a chocolate bar, I'm going to eat the whole thing in one time. So my decision, it's kind of discipline is when I'm going through the store, I just don't pick up any chocolate. And it's kind of the same thing also with my phone too. I know it's for me and you know, one of the other tactics that that Scott and I were talking about before we were hitting record here was just removing all the notifications from my phone, my computer, iPad, all those types of things. Cause I don't really necessarily want it to be in control of my attention. It's more of anything that pings me is like, I'm being distracted and and it removes me from the task that I'm looking to do. And it's really easy. You go, if you've got an iPhone, you go into your settings app, you just turn off all notifications except for the apps that you want on. And really for me too, it's such the social media apps, especially games, all of these things, they are designed to have you plug into your phone. And the biggest way they do that is notifying, oh, hey, here's a new here's a new thing for you. Oh, hey, someone on your photos like something or oh, this new news thing. And so you just have to, yeah, we're going to make that noise a oop thing. That's going to be an hour thing. <laughs> But but more importantly, it's just removing all of those like little distractions, especially notifications on your phone, because this little black box that now we carry with us all the time just becomes an uber distraction piece for whatever is out on the internet. And you can really make sure that it's working for you instead of you working for it. And for me specifically, that means, yeah, (laughs) no games. I got it. They are all off my phone. 
Well, and I think you could probably argue that maybe part of, maybe this is also an example of setting up your environment too, mm -hmm. by not having chocolate. And I know that's less of a time savings thing. Well, I guess it depends on how long it takes to eat chocolate, <laughs> but, but a know, long time. certainly mm -hmm. the email notification where it is saving and conserving your attention. So therefore you are more productive and spending your time in the way that you want to. That is absolutely also an example of setting up your environment but it is minimizing those obstacles and distractions too. You know, mm -hmm. something else that, and I know, Philip, you know this, and now Kathy, who's on our team, jokes about this all the time because she now is obsessive over this. But <laughs> yeah. this, this one thing is I, I cannot stand... And I know this sounds insane, but it adds up. I cannot stand making, you know, five clicks where I could possibly have just done one click or keystrokes. Or here's the example. If my computer is processing faster and I don't have to wait on it, that is more time that is not consumed if with individual tasks, which means that my tasks that are spent on my computer or phone get shorter. So mm -hmm. What I've learned is that for me personally, this is not right for everyone, but for me personally, I spend a fair amount of time on the computer. So keystrokes count. And if I'm waiting on the computer to process, then that means that it literally takes longer. And that's something that quite frankly, I can't stand. So my life is infinitely better when I buy the fastest processing laptop or the fastest processing computer. And for me, that typically costs me about $1,000 more per computer, but I get it back very, very quickly because I spend a fair amount of time on the computer and I'm not waiting. And more importantly, I'm not frustrated too at the every single computer usage. It's now a pleasure to use my computer instead of be mad at technology. So there's another one. And I know that there's a lot of apps out there that can help with that too. One of the things that we use on our team is this email app that syncs up with Google or Gmail and it's called Superhuman. And they literally have reduced the keystrokes and clicks that it takes in order to operate that. And they've cut it in half. So it, it takes where it used to take three or four mouse clicks to process email for one type of email, plus all the keystrokes. Now you can do that with less. You can actually use the entire email system without the mouse at all, which is so much faster than switching back and forth. Yes, I know that's super nerdy and I love it. This is not a paid advertisement for Superhuman at all. But <laughs> I mean, if Superhuman is listening, we will definitely take that. But more importantly, I, there's so many benefits of the Superhuman app. It really helps just more really schedule the uh, emails for a later period of time. You're less in clicking and clicking back through and, and overall. And it really allows you just to focus on the most important pieces of email because I definitely get lost in just the mountains of emails. And as you know, as many of them come in and some of them just aren't important. And I know a lot of my clients or a lot of the people that I talk to is they have like email inboxes that are like a thousand plus and they go, I just need to go unsubscribe that thing and clean it out. But instead, I'm just going to get a whole new another email. So then I'm just going to leave that one over to the side and get this new one. And superhuman is definitely helpful in the email processing and kind of cleaning all that stuff out. Just makes it easier. Here's another one. This is going to also sound very, very nerdy. Philip, you have been to my house and you've seen my garage and uh, most people think that it's super organized and everything because it literally has a place for everything. And then also we've built out places for future things too, even containers that don't have anything in it, but they have a label for when they, when they will have something in it down the road. <laughs> yes, that is the level of intensity that is put into the garage. But one of the things that we were finding is that even though we had drastically reduced the amount of consumption that we had made as a family, 
we were still finding that we were having lots and lots of items and places for things, or I should say lots and lots of items that needed to go to Goodwill. And we didn't have a place for it. So we were actually spending lots of time and energy. And again, I know this sounds absurd, but we were spending more time and energy than what I wanted to be spending trying to figure out what to do with this stuff. So when I had redone the garage and redesigned it, built a staging area for items to go to Goodwill or to be able to donate to different charities. So it's super easy to get to. Now it's right outside the door. So it's not an obstacle and it takes less time to be able to, when we need want to donate something, I can go and I can just put it in this basket. And then when we make a run to you know Goodwill or get a place where we can donate that, then it's right there. It's easy. It doesn't take additional time. Most importantly, it's not capturing my attention. But this is something that we found we were doing all the time. Another thing, Philip, I don't know if you do this, but Amazon has a wonderful, wonderful return system at this really? point if you have Prime. So like, we can just take it down to the UPS store, which we already, we send all our business items. We ship through UPS and the UPS store and we have an account down there anyway, but you can just show them your Amazon app. They'll scan it and you don't even have to put it back in the box. So if we're returning something from Amazon, then we can just basically take it in and toss it on the counter and say, here you go. And they'll take care of everything else for it. So this makes it easier for us to be able to shop at Amazon, which of course they've done a really nice job with. They want us to continue to shop at Amazon, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they're meeting some of our needs and it ends up saving us time versus ordering from other places. Uh, now, if something doesn't work, it's so much easier for us to just take it back. It fits in and we have this little staging area for returns that go to places too. So they don't stack up in our house. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what are the, now I've given you totally nerdy items. What do you find that you're doing, Philip? that is <laughs> is out of the normal, we'll call it, that ends up saving you time? That's such a good question. I think one of the, you know, we talked about meal prep is that's such a big one. I think what all this comes down to is the intentionality of things. So there is times where we've got the same thing. We have things that go in certain places. I've got meal prep time. But I think one of the biggest things that I do and I think one of the things that we do really for our clients who are going through this actual career change is where we're thinking about it is how much time are they actually spending reaching out? I do the same thing when I was in my career search, but you might've heard one of our clients on this very podcast, Vicky, who I was working with. And for her, she spent a lot of time in the research phase. And specifically during that reach out phase, there can be lots and lots of places where it can be very time consuming because so many people like to do the research part and you don't really want to reach out to somebody if you don't know something about them. And then people get all those those thoughts in their head like, okay, well, I have to know what school they went to, the city they live in, the name of their dog, what's all those things before I talk to them just in case those things might come up. And I find, yeah, so many people spend lots of time in there. So one of the things that I do that's personal to my life. But one of the things I help really focus clients on is we really take those available hours for things that are kind of outside and we go, okay. So for clients, they might have seven hours, they might have 10, they might have one, whatever that number might be. We look and we go, all right, here's the available hours that you have to work on this career change work. And we go, okay. So we know in the reach out phase, there's really four big components. Sourcing, i.e. finding the people who you're going to reach out to, researching, 
finding out the unique things kind of about them and then be able to do the talking points for them. And that's where people tend to spend the most time. And then writing the email actually to them, number three. And number four is actually sending the email to them and doing any of those like ancillary types of things. I have clients who do Loom videos. That's a service where you can record a free video that's just about a minute long and makes it a little bit more personal. A couple other things there. But so many people spend so much time in that second part, that research phase. So what we do is we go, okay, of that available hours, how can we time block and essentially time limit, which is a little bit counterintuitive to a saving time, but time limit all of those aspects of those four parts of reaching out. So what I do with my clients is they go, okay. And especially in Vicky, in her case, we said she, we found that she was spending hours and hours, like five plus hours a week in the research phase. And I said, Vicky, all right, we now only have two. So we have to find the unique aspects of each person in that two hour time. So we can send out those emails because a email sent out is better than no email sent out. So it allows us to really make sure that we're limiting our time to focus on the best places and ultimately, again, come back and save more of that mental bandwidth for us. Because if, if we're spending too much time in the wrong areas and not getting results, it's really not getting us any place. So it's a really good aspect from the time limiting aspect, because we're always trying to figure out where we can best utilize and spend our time and remove the obstacles that might potentially get in the way. Time limiting is... I think one of the most effective strategies and tools that you can have, not just for your career change, although it works particularly well for your career change mm -hmm. or any other area where it's new for you or you have perfectionist tendencies or you care a whole lot about, because those are the areas where we have a tendency to spend inordinate amounts of time rather than just doing it and yeah. doing the 80% good enough version and then moving on, even though the 80% good enough version might be just as effective in most cases. So thank you for pointing that out. The other, other thing I would say here, if you're in the midst of making a career change, pick out just one of these strategies, one of these strategies to save you time elsewhere so that you can make more time for your career change or utilize you know, that strategy that we just talked about in saying, look, I'm going to time limit myself. I'm going to spend, I'm going to allow myself 90 minutes in total to be able to spend on this task. At the end of it, I'm going to consider it done. And you know, we'll just pick out one of these so that you can Instead, utilize that time that you now get back in one way or another to be able to focus on what's a priority for you. In this case, your career change. And here's the other thing too. If you are wanting more of this, these are things that we do for our clients every single day. This is just a tidbit. This is just a small amount of the strategies that we personally use or we personally use with our clients. And you know, we can absolutely help. It's what we are here to do. It's what we, it's what we love to do. It's it's what we do every day. So you know, reach out to us. Philip is one of the people that gets to have so many of the conversations with people who are uh, trying to decide if we are the right people to help them through their career, or and we're trying to decide what is the very best way that we can support them. So do this. Just email me directly, Scott at happentoyourcareer.com. Just send me an email, put conversation in the subject line. And what'll happen is that either myself or our team will get back to you and we'll go ahead and set up a time to chat. And that way we can understand your situation, 
ask you some questions and figure out the very best way that we can support you for the type of career change that you want to make. And Philip is, like I said, one of those people that you may very well talk to and he's really, really great at it. Philip, what advice would you give to somebody who's in that situation where they're trying to figure out what is the right type of help to get during this career change, regardless of whether we're helping or you know they're trying to do something for themselves? Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing there, that's a really great question because it can be really different for everybody. And really the biggest thing or the advice I'd give to somebody who is sitting in those shoes right now is the best thing you can do is raise your hand and ask for help and to continue moving forward. Because I usually say this to a lot of people in those calls is that there's lots of people out in the world who sit and stay in their same spot and wish they would have done something. And we all know people like that. And then they end up retiring and then it's not good. And then the difference between those people and the people who send that email to Scott and jump on a call with me or somebody on our team is that they raised their hand and asked for help and decided to do something about it. The biggest piece of advice is raise your hand, ask for help. There, We have a whole team of people here. There's tons and tons of people out there looking for help and wanting to give help. So you're not in this alone. You heard it here first. So Philip has (laughs) has talked to... Many, many, many hundreds of people over the last couple of years. Uh-huh. And I think that that's great advice, well-served. If there's anything that we can do for you or anything else that you want to hear on the Happen to Your Career podcast, don't hesitate to let us know. Otherwise, drop me an email, scott at happentoyourcareer.com, and we'll be thrilled to pieces to set you up with Philip or someone else on our team. And guess what? We have so much more coming up for you right here on Happen to Your Career. Next time, see what's in store. What if, after going through all the work that it takes to get a job, you realize almost on day one that it's nowhere close to what you expected it was going to be? In fact, it's far worse than that. It's (laughs) the opposite of what you expected it was going to be. Well, if you were in that situation, you'd probably start looking for a new role, right? Well, that's what happened to Sherry. You heard her voice in the introduction. She realized early on that her new role was not totally what she expected it to be. She became super unhappy and started searching for a new job within a month. She applied to a ton of roles, but kept hitting a dead end. But here's the thing. If we fast forward, spoiler alert, we'll see that she made it to one of those roles that when she saw it in the job description, she originally didn't feel qualified for it. I wanted to be a product owner. I have found that I really like that idea of kind of being the subject matter expert and kind of owning a process or a product. And I hadn't been looking for that when I was looking for jobs because I didn't feel like I was qualified for it. One thing we see all the time that's really unfortunate is so many people limit themselves to roles that they feel like they check all the boxes for every single bullet point on the entire job description. I see this all the time. You find the listing, you immediately scroll down to all the job requirements, you mentally check off everything as you go, but then you find there are one or two qualifications that you don't have. You sigh and then you hit the back button to check on the next listing. No good, right? A lot of times the people that get hired in those situations don't have all the qualifications. It happens so, so frequently. I can't tell you how much, you know, coming from my HR days and recruiting days. And certainly uh, we see that all the time here at Happened to Your Career as we're helping people. But I want you to take a listen to Sherry's story because this is 
one of those situations. She navigated through all the mental and real challenges that come up along the way. So you'll hear her describe that. All that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out. Oh,